we move on with an old friend of this programme. Uh, Maureen Gaffney, psychologist and author, has joined me in studio. And today she's going to talk to us about self-esteem and confidence, where they come from. And if you don't have them, what can you do about it? Good morning, actually. Afternoon, Maureen. Good afternoon, Maureen. Afternoon to you. Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about confidence. I think there is a big distinction between what we think of as confidence uh, and an actual self-esteem. And we often get the two mixed up. I, I think of confidence really as how you present yourself socially. That That's very much, I think, what most people think about as confidence. So it depends, and that depends on personality. You know, if you're extroverted uh, and if you're very socially skilled, you, you look very confident. But that's actually quite different from self-esteem. Which is, is It is, because self-esteem is how you judge your own worth as a person. So you can be very confident socially, but actually have quite low self-esteem and, and vice versa. So you're putting on an act, really. It, it's a sort of a presentation of yourself. Right. Um, but it, it doesn't reflect uh, necessarily. Sometimes people who are confident also have very, um, very high self-esteem, but not necessarily. So they're quite separate concepts. And the much more important one, the one that has the most effect on your life, uh, is that sense of basic self-worth. And and there's a lot of misunderstanding, you know, even when we use self-esteem, because, you know, in previous generations, nobody knew what self-esteem yes, was. And, yes. you know, and, and it was regarded in Ireland certainly as having an opinion of yourself. So it wasn't something to fully be encouraged. Yourself. Yeah, fully yourself. Yeah. So it wasn't to be encouraged. And then there was a reversal and you had the so-called self-esteem movement particularly in the States. And it sort of, you know, as always, floats over here in some version. Um, and and you get a lot of, I think, uh, misguided, I mean, particularly in the States, uh, it, it sort of infected education so that it became more important to prop up, as you thought, kids' self-esteem than actually teach them uh, something. Um, yeah, because didn't it get to the point, or did it, well, has it got to the point here, that teachers no longer feel comfortable about saying that was a very poor essay. Yes. You should have put more work into it. Yeah. I think, I think interestingly, confidence, like teachers with very high self-worth have no problem doing that. But if you're a bit insecure or you're a new teacher, you know, then You then don't yes. want to damage the yeah, child's and, and ego. And I think a lot of... Um, maybe entitled kind of families uh, get, get very worked up and, and they, they take the view that anything neg- negative said to their child is going to destroy their self-esteem. Now, if, if you take that view, um, what you're producing is not a real sense of self-worth. You're, you're producing a kind of a brash confidence. You're more back into the confidence territory. Right. So you get these uh, kids, you know, especially when they're teenagers, who turn out to be obnoxious, you know, like throwing their weight around. Arrogant. And arrogant and entitled and... That that and it's not a, a good recipe uh, for life. So so that's what it's not. Um, but I I real self worth has huge effects in your life. It is such it has such multiple effects on how your life turns out 
that is one of the most studied things in psychology. Two years ago, Marion, there were 35,000 articles, 37,000 articles, uh, you know, good research articles on on, uh, uh, self-esteem or self-worth. So it's a very, very studied uh, phenomenon. And we know from all of those studies that your level of self-worth, how you judge your own self-worth, has big effects on how happy you are day to day. It has big effects on the quality of your close relationships with your children, particularly with your partner, with your friends. It has a small but significant effect on your health because if you have low self-esteem, it goes with being more susceptible to stress because it's stressful, not thinking you're worth anything. Uh, and, and that puts you, that makes you more susceptible to a range of things like hypertension and all of that kind of stuff. And low self-esteem puts you at quite a big risk of depression. So they're all the, as it were, the, the consequences. Yeah. But I think one of the most interesting things that I came across is the way your self, your sense of self-worth leaks in to your very self, the very way your your self-concept, your identity uh, as a person. Because people with um, low self-esteem, supposing you, you bring a group of people into a laboratory and, and you ask them to describe themselves, yeah. right? So you give them a list, a list of qualities and you say, you know, tell me which ones describe you. Now rank them in terms of what are the things that are most characteristic of you as a person? You know, are you sociable? <clears throat> are you warm? Are you passive? Are you active? You know, are you competitive? You know, all ordinary things like that. Now, when people uh, have a good sense of self-worth, they're very definite in their answers. So if you imagine that, you know, sociable versus, you know, maybe more reserved and it's a five-point scale, you know, they'll go for a two or a, or, or a five. You know, they're, they're very definite about where they are. Whereas if you have low self-esteem, your pencil is kind of hovering over the middle because you're not sure where you are. So you tend to bunch yourself into the middle. It's almost as if you're afraid to claim who you are, either positively or negatively. So there is this core sense of uncertainty. Um, And when you uh, are asked to do that exercise maybe a couple of weeks later, um, you're much more inconsistent in your answers. In other words, it's shaky. You're never sure of who you are. Now, that kind of uncertainty, I think, is a huge handicap uh, in life because clearly... Uh, say if you go for an interview or you're on your first date or something like that, it's hard for people to get a sense of of who you are. And of course, when people, you know, there's a vacuum, you know, people are more inclined to think there must be something going on there, you know, that uh, that isn't good. Right. So, so that sense of uncertainty, I think, is 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 really. Uh, a huge handicap in life. And it's not something that people are aware of, that low self-esteem goes with that uncertainty. Okay, but where does that start? And I mean, you were talking like in the current rearing of things, you're you're wonderful, darling, you're wonderful, darling, you're wonderful. But how do you foster self-esteem without the arrogance? Yeah. Um, 
it starts very early in life, Marion, like like most things. But this really starts very early in life. And because we have a, a looking glass self, you know, when we come into the world, you know, we have our own little dispositional personality. But you're utterly dependent on the people who care for you in those first couple of years to give you a sense of who you are and to shape who you are in the most positive way given your temperament and, and all of that. Um, so we internalise, as it were, the way we're treated. And and if, I think the greatest blessing in life is that if you have even one person who absolutely delights in you, delights in your very being. That That's a very different thing than someone who is proud of you or thinks you're... You're a very competent baby or, you know, you can do things at two. It's just absolute delight uh, in, in your very being. Uh, and, and that comes across very, very um, strongly in, in, in how securely attached you are to, to your mum or, or, or your dad. Uh, and, and that conveys to you, I think, the most important message you can ever convey to anyone in any setting which is you matter and what you do matters. So it's the two things. It's not not telling you you're brilliant all the time. No, it is saying you are absolutely, nobody could replace you. You're utterly unique and I absolutely, you're the apple of my eye. But, you know, what you do matters too. And and so a, a parent who has that attitude to a child is also a parent who will encourage a child to do things and support them. And when they make mistakes and everything goes, you know, wrong, you know, they're there to reassure you and then say, go on now and give it a good try again. So you, at the end of, you know, early childhood, by about age three or so, and sometimes earlier, Marion, it's like you can answer the most important questions in life. Am I the kind of person on the basis of everything that's happened to me in the last three years? Because that's all you know, really. Am I the kind of person that's lovable? Am I the kind of person that that's that's worthy of respect? Now, respect is a kind of you think a funny, funny word for to apply to a, a two year old. But it's the sense that your opinion counts, that, you know, when you come and tell your little stories about what happened during the day, that they have value and that someone is interested in how you experience life. Um, So you can answer that question with a very confident yes. And that generalises because you then think, well, this is probably how most people are going to to, uh, react to me. And, And so you approach life expecting that you will be liked, that you will be respected, uh, and you're kind of on the lookout for that. So, you you, you know, you, you kind of have a sense of uh, that you're worthy of respect. Right. Now, if you didn't get all that or you only got it under certain conditions, you know, only when you did exactly as you were told or only when you achieved things or only when your mother was in a good mood or any of those things that happen. You know, these parents love their kids. It's just yeah. more that they haven't that free flow of affirmation that they can bring themselves, as it were, to to really attend and, and give that kind of affirmation, then your answer to the question of am I 
a lovable person, a person worthy of respect, someone who can do things, is either no, if you've had a you bad know, poor experiences, or it's, I don't know, you know, or only if I behave in certain ways. So you can see how the uncertainty uh, builds in uh, very early in life. Now, there's another uh, layer after that that's, you know, you go to school and... A teacher thinks you're fantastic or you're playing sport and the coach really encourages you or, you know, any the random people that come into your life, grannies and granddads, and even though they're not random, of course, Mary, yeah. um, uh, and, and they, that all matters, you know, um, but it's it's that core one with whoever took most care of you is, is the one that reasserts itself, particularly when you feel vulnerable or under pressure. That one sort of surfaces. It's like there's a little bit of scar tissue there and our robust heart, you know, uh, and and that sort of uh, surfaces. And so whatever your level of self-esteem, it stays pretty much the same uh, throughout your life. Um, uh, there's a kind of a life cycle aspect to it. So when you're a child, whatever your level of self-esteem, it, it's it's sort of high for you because you live in a little bubble, you know, yeah. and, and your friends, you know, they might fight with you about, you know, playing a game or something, but no one gives you a full and frank account of who you are. You know, your friends, like kids don't do that to each other. But, uh, but your self-esteem dips, uh, you know, quite a bit when you become an adolescent, not only the stresses of puberty and all of that, but your peers, you know, are are much more demanding and your peers will take no nonsense from you and your peers, like, it can, can often be very, very harsh. And very cruel. Yes, and very cruel. And we cruel. know that that happens yeah, on, the, yeah, on absolutely. Um, all those social media. Just um, on the teaching and confidence, Barry's a teacher in Donegal and he says, thank God to hear someone talking the truth about teaching young people in today's society. Entitled children and parents are extremely difficult to deal with. Uh, Another one says, Geraldine, a second school teacher, uh, a healthy sense of self-worth has ballooned into narcissism in our culture. If a child is taught that everything revolves around him or her, and that there is no objective reality, only their perception. That is a problem at the moment. Well, it is, but it's actually the reason that people think it's a big problem is that it's so it's so uh, obnoxious when you meet it that that you kind of remember it. But the the evidence actually is that younger people get a very bad press. Yeah, uh, that's a whole other subject. Yeah. but that in fact, if you look at the evidence that. That, that narcissism hasn't really uh, improved. Kids stick up for themselves more and that's a very good thing. Yeah. Um, so, but it's more, I understand her perception because when you meet one person like that, it tends to, you you know, it tends to colour your perception of the whole group. Right. So, so come back so, to so, adolescence. Okay, so in adolescence it dips, then it recovers uh, after adolescence uh, and it, it sort of keeps rising in adulthood and it's at its highest in middle age. So anytime between about, you know, 50 
and 70, however you define middle age now, that's how I define it, certainly, um, then uh, you you have uh, your highest level. You're in your prime and you have your highest level of self-esteem. It dips a bit before you retire uh, in a temporary way, but then it recovers and then it stays pretty stable until really near the day you're going to die. But as you get into that extreme state of vulnerability, your self-esteem dips very slightly. So that's the trajectory. But there's a big gender element. Um, Every piece of evidence we have, uh, not every piece, but most suggest um, that women report lower self-esteem than men throughout the life cycle. Now, that may be because women report, they're they're willing to acknowledge things about themselves much more than men are. So we don't quite know whether it's a real thing or not. But what we do know, absolutely, is that it dips pretty significantly for girls in adolescence. Between the age of 10 and 30, uh, as no matter what level your self-esteem is at, it goes down fairly significantly um, and it doesn't recover until you're age 30. Uh, and that's mainly attributed to the pressures of um, looking good, you know, trying to be attractive, uh, find a mate, managing boys, which is very difficult, you know. Uh, I'm sure for, they for would say the opposite too. Well, it's, that's actually a, whole, a subject all in its own right, married, <laughs> and it's completely fascinating. Um, uh, boys will say it, but girls take it far more seriously and feel they have to manage uh, relationships, you know, uh, and they keep thinking that for the rest of their lives. Um, but at age 30, it, it recovers. So there is a big gender element. There is also a gender element about confidence. You know, uh, one of the most frequent questions I'm asked is someone says, look, I have these fantastic women working in my organisation. They're really good, but they lack confidence. It is one of the things I'm asked to speak about most often in women's groups, the whole issue of confidence. But what's interesting about it, uh, now we're not talking about self-esteem now, but yes, about confidence, yes, how yeah. you present yourself, is that women very often, the way they express, they're, they're kind of socialised, mainly by other girls all the way through growing up, that, you know, you don't put yourself forward, you don't boast um, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so very often when they're given an opportunity to go for a bigger job or take on a challenge, you know, you know, the typical thing of the hand on the chest and saying, oh, God, do you think I'm up to it? You know, now, very, but because men don't behave like that, very often the person offering you the opportunity is thinking, well, well, maybe you're not. You know, they kind of take you at your word, whereas inside your sense of confidence isn't matching what you're saying outside. It's a bit like, you know... You don't want to be a show-off. You don't want to be a show-off, yeah. I, I was at a, a dinner once, uh, an international dinner, and, you, you know, there was about eight women there and uh, there was, you know, a tour de table after we ate and we were asked just to give a brief view of, you know, our careers and things. And a couple of the Irish women, including myself, started and it was very low-key. Um, and then this American woman uh, gave us a full account, uh, you know, like, like talk about high self-worth and I could see everybody else who came after her thinking oh well if she can do it I can do it and the three of us who had gone first <laughs> thinking like I want another turn you yes. know 
Um, so, so there is that, whereas men are socialised uh, a different way. They're socialised to express confidence yeah. even when they don't feel it inside. So there is a, a, a gender element to right. all that. Last question. Can you foster either of those, either the self-esteem or the confidence well, with I, help? I, I think the, the the self-worth one is the, more, the most important one. The, there are two things I think that you can do. One is find someone you trust and ask them to as it were, get some, ask them for feedback. What is, what do I come across as? But before they do that, say, this is actually, say, take a situation they might have been in that yeah. you were in. Here's how I thought I did. What did you think? Now, I think that gives people a very good way to give you feedback about where you're right and where you're wrong about yourself. Yeah. And the second thing is a 10 minute exercise to write down, not your good qualities, because, you know, like I'm a lovable person, it's useless telling yourself that because you remember every single incident in your life that proved that you thought you weren't. So it's to write down what your big values in life are. The first, say, the three biggest values that drive your life, because your values are absolutely your own. And then write about one way that you acted out of those values. Like if you see my biggest value in life is caring for people. My biggest value in life is always doing a great job. And then, you know, write something. That has very significant, it's been shown to have very significant backwash effects on your self-worth. If you do that exercise, say 10 minutes, Two months later, the positive effects are still evident. There you go. That sounds like a good one. Uh, Maureen Gaffney, as always, uh, thank you very, very much indeed. And we'll take a break.